service of the new year. Turn over your Bibles to Hebrews 11. It's good to be in here. Man, it is so cold. It's so cold, I fell out of bed and broke my pajamas. It's cold outside. We're going to have a... Our time of worship today, and then afterwards, uh, as we close, I'm going to close us in prayer. And then at that point, everybody can go get your kids. Uh, if you need to leave, you can leave. But then everybody will come back in as we go through a, a kind of informational workshop for our region. Uh, so the kids will be in here with us. It won't be super long, uh, but if you're visiting with us and, and you don't want to stay, fine. We're not hurting our feelings. Uh, if you do want to stay, I mean, this is not something private and secretive, uh, so you're more than welcome to stay. Uh, but I just want you to know that uh, when we take that break to go get our kids, we need to do it expeditiously. I like that word, huh? That was one of my resolutions. I was going to read more, so I put the captions on my TV. So that way, it takes you a while to get that one, but... Today we're going to start a series that I'm going to do for us. And Hebrews 11 is what's known as the, the Biblical Hall of Faith. You know, in the sports world, in the music world, you have the Hall of Fame. Where in the true Biblical world, the one that really counts, you have the Hall of Faith. And in Hebrews 11, it talks about a number of different people and things they've done to put them in the Hall of Faith. And so we're going to go through... Each of the characters that it's talking about in Hebrews 11. Some you may not have heard of, Jethro. I mean, what did he do? Who is this guy? I mean, we're going to look at all these different people and see some of the things. Now, we can't cover everything, but to see some of the things that is the reason why they're in the Hall of Faith. And I say this because I believe that God knows we learn through experience. We learn through going through things. And so he's given us these examples in Hebrews 11 so we can look at them and learn how to be faithful in our personal lives nowadays. Because I believe every single one of us, no matter if you're doing the best you've ever done spiritually or you're in the middle or you're tanking it, we all can grow in our faith. We all can take it higher in our faith. And so this is why I'm going to preach on this series and if we still aren't faithful, I'm going to make up a new series on faith. We're going to preach on faith until we all get it. Because we got to have faith in order to please God. So I want to start in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. I want to cover today the faith of Abel. And I want to talk about this because I believe the faith that Abel had in his offering, his sacrifice, is something that we all need to have in our lives. And this isn't a contribution talk. I'm talking about the faith in what we're doing, not just in our giving, but in our everyday lives. That kind of faith. You would think after all that Adam and Eve went through, they would have instilled something in their kids so that they would not sin. 
especially after talking with the snake, getting kicked out the Garden of Eden. You know it would have been on their mind. Okay, I'm going to teach my kids they are not going to make the mistakes we did. But you know what, parents? There's only so much you can do in your kids. Proverbs 22, 6 says we need to train them in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not turn from it. I don't want any parents to be discouraged or frustrated. All your job is to do is to teach your kids now the way they should go. Because there's only a certain point we can get to where we can still, hey, you better do this, and they respond the way they should. But they're going to come of an age where they got to make their decisions on their own. Our job is to train them the way they should go. And even if they go astray and make some dumb mistakes, they know where to come back to. They know who to come back to, and they know why to come back to that very thing. So I want to encourage you with that. Even Adam and Eve had a challenge in their family upbringing. But in Genesis, I don't believe that Cain and Abel's sibling rivalry started with just this offering. It had to be something way before this. Because in Genesis, if you look at it, we're going to turn there, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis is what is known as the book of first. The book of first. The firstborn, the first couple, the first siblings, the first sibling rivalry, the first sin, the first premeditated murder. It's the book of first. But it's also the first time that God instructed man on how to worship him. See, man didn't create a way to worship God. God said, no, this is how I want you to worship me. Now, there's certain things in the church that we can change. It's not a big deal. We can go from Bible talk to mission team, naming it a different name. You can switch your group from Tuesday to Thursday. Those things are not a big deal. But there are certain things in worshiping God that should never be changed. Loving people, hospitality, sacrifice. These are things that you should never even think about changing. And this is what he says. God instituted worship. Man did not institute worship. And this is what I want us to look at in Genesis chapter 4 in verse 1. Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of our Lord, I brought forth a man... Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what you have done, listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield his crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land. And I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. You know, this is an interesting passage. 
Adam and Eve did a lot of great things. And if nothing else, obviously they did instill in their kids the act of worship. Because they both are sacrificing something. So they still have learned something at a young age to know this is how I need to live in order to be right. Again, parents. And I know this isn't a parenting class, but there's some good points here we got to understand. Even here, they said, you're my child. This is how you're going to act. The way things are today, many kids tell their parents what they're going to do. Even here, they said, no, 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 no. We may have messed up back in the garden, but we still your mama and your daddy. And this is how you need to act. And we got to understand, this is a biblical thing. It's not just something somebody told me I got to do. This is God-given direction for us to lead our children and our families. Sometimes people question the offering of Cain and Abel. And they question it because they're trying to figure out why was Abel's offering better than Cain's. And one of the reasons I heard was people say that Abel's offering was of the flock, a blood sacrifice, and Cain's was fruit. I don't really agree with that because if you look in the book of Leviticus, it has all kind of offerings, a grain offering, a wave offering, all these kind of offerings. It's not about the blood that makes his offering better than his brother's. It's something about the attitude when you're offering. Let me give you an example. The prophet Samuel, he tried to explain this to King Saul. King Saul had went and he had a great victory over the people. And yet they were waiting for Samuel to come to offer sacrifices. Well, his people started getting restless, started getting angry. So King Saul took it upon himself to offer the sacrifice that only the priest should offer. But he was so concerned about what his people thought that he stepped over the boundaries and performed the sacrifice himself. Look at 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and yet, and he sent you a mission on a mission saying, go and completely destroy these wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on a mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord our God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Samuel told the king, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. He says, you know what? You thought giving up this sacrifice was going to please God. When God says, I'm more pleased with your heart if you obey me than whatever you give. That's a token gift. I'm looking for obedience. That's what's pleasing to me. And this is what he says. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, just read it on the screen. By the time you find it, I'll be done preaching. In Hosea 6, 6, 
It says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. It says, I prefer that you acknowledge me and make me Lord than you sacrifice to me. Than you give me tithes and offerings. I don't even want that. I want your heart to be committed to me. And see, here's the difference between Cain and Abel's sacrifice. I got several simple points here I want to talk about. So back in Genesis 4. Let's turn back there. Genesis 4. The first point is this. This is the difference in them. Abel's sacrifice was a sacrifice done in faith. It was a sacrifice done in faith. Let me explain to you here. In verse 3 again. Chapter 4, verse 3. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel's offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And the Bible says that Abel's offering, that it was the firstborn of his flock. See, he didn't just have a flock and say, oh, these are all my first flock. So let me pick one of all of these flocks. He says, no, 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 no. The first one of all the flock. Now, what's so special about this? Well, the first one, he himself nursed the baby as it was being born from the mother. Took it out. Took care of him. This is his first one ever that he had. Took care of it. Played with it. Fed it. When animals came to attack it, he made sure that first one, his prized possession, was taken care of. It was kind of like his own child. Not even the, the animal's child. It was like his child. He took care of them. And that's what many people did, especially in that area. I mean, it, it, those animals would sleep near them in the beds. They would feed them. I mean, took care of them. And he said, now this one is more precious to me than any of the rest of my first flock. So you know what? I know God wants to give me his best. So I want to give God my best. And it was so hard for him to sacrifice the one he had taken care of for so long since birth. And so his sacrifice meant a lot more than just one of the first fruits. Because it was the best of the best. Now you got to hear me when I say this. God wants to give you his best. You in turn should not give him scraps. Abel knew, God's giving me his best, I want to give him my best. you got to look at your life. And say, am I faithfully giving God my best? In verse 3, again, it says, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Even the wording here states that Cain brought some of the fruit. In other words, he had fruit. And what he felt like, okay, I feel like this is the best. Let me give this to God. This is what I feel. Guys, you got to listen to this. You know, I feel like if I give God my best tomatoes and potatoes, he's just going to burn it in his offering. So why don't I use my best and then I can eat it and I'll be stronger and I'll be able to produce more for God? He rationalized that he could use his best better than God could use his best. Now, I say this because how many times do we do this? We think, you know what? I know I could probably do a little bit more, but... You know, there's so many things coming up. I got to prepare. I got to plan. I got to organize. So I got to save. Let me let me budget this kind of way. You know what? I can use it over here, even though God is saying I need it over here. But here, let me use it like this. And you know what? I, 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 I'll, I'll eventually serve more to you, God, 
if I hold off on my best right now, because then it make me strong. I have strength. And I can work hard for you, Lord. You know what? The moment you start rationalizing your sacrifice, you lose respect for your sacrifice. Do you respect the sacrifice you're giving the Lord right now? Think about this. How, do you trust enough that if I not just give God something good, but give him beyond, a step further than that? Because to give him something good or great, that's, that's awesome. But to go beyond good or great means faith. Am I willing to give him a faithful sacrifice or just a good sacrifice? Because a lot of times we can feel comfortable with giving something good. But just because it's good does not mean it's by faith. And see, there's a difference in Cain and Abel's sacrifice. One was a sacrifice of faith. The other was a good sacrifice. So you got to look and ask yourself, do I give out of faith? See, Abel thought, now there's a chance if I give him the best of my flock, that the rest of the flock may not turn out that good. Because this first one is strong, and it's a good, healthy one. So if I give him my best, then all the rest may come out with issues. But you know what? I'm going to faithfully give to you, God. Because I know if you gave me this in the first place, you can take care of me much more down the road. So I'm going to be faithful in my sacrifice. Cain, on the other hand, again, this is what I feel, God, I should do. And so many times we go off of our feelings and not off of faith. Brothers and sisters, we need to change that this year. We need to live by faith, walk by faith, not by sight. And we've got to make sure we're not just doing what we feel we should do, but let's do it out of faith and not just out of feelings. First challenge for you is, do not rationalize your offerings to God. Do not rationalize, do not work it through in your mind how you can work this out and that out. It's not about man. God instituted the act of worship. So the first one was a sacrifice of faith. The second point is this. It was an attitude of faith. Not just was his sacrifice one of faith, but his mindset, his attitude his heart check was one of faith. See, Abel's attitude was, again, if I give my best to the Lord, the Lord will always give his best back. If God has given you his best, think of how good that is. Because we can look around and say, Ooh, I bet that could be good if I get it from that brother or that sister. But how much more if it came from God? This is not, again, this is not a contribution talk for you. I'm talking about who you are, giving your best. Your time, your energy, everything, your best. I'm setting you up for this workshop we're about to have. I hope y'all listening. Because we're going to call the church to a whole other level when we talk about our workshop. There's three or four ready to give their best. Those are faithful claps. That's all right. We're only on point two. I ain't even worried about it. Look at First John chapter 3. Not big John, First John. Towards the back, a little bit further back. First John 3 verse 12. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. See, this is more of an attitude here. He was upset because he was jealous of his brother's actions. He could have did the same thing himself. But he was so focused on somebody else and not upon himself. Think about this. We need to go from praying for everybody else I had an attitude to this brother. I'm going to pray for this brother. And I pray that his heart changed. I pray for him. How about we, 
and start praying for ourselves. I pray for my heart to be different towards this brother. I pray for my mindset to be different towards this brother. We, don't, we, we can pray for other people, but they aren't the issue. The issue is how are you going to deal with it? See, Jesus didn't go and I'm praying for everybody because they're putting me on this cross. You know what? He was praying for his heart in the garden three times. He was sweating blood so his heart can get prepared for the cross. You pray about your heart now. That same person who you didn't like in 2017 may be your best friend and a Christian in 2018. It's important for us to realize it's about our attitudes. Again, back in Genesis 4. We're going to keep flipping back there, so just put your little marker there. Verse 4 and 5. But Abel brought forth fat portions, some of the fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. You know, the Bible says that when Cain saw God's reaction to his sacrifice, that he got upset. He got angry. His face was downcast. In other words, he started pouting. And this isn't just for middle-aged kids, because an adult can pop too. Don't get me wrong. There's some people you don't use their idea or what they feel, and they're going to throw a hissy fit. And you can see it too. They just mad at everybody. Why are you pouting? I mean, seriously, you look at this. It talks to us about this. Because what Cain and Abel also shows us is that anger will lead and make us vulnerable to other sins. Because he said, why are you downcast? Why are you pouting? You realize sin is crouching at your door? So sin is always there crouching. And if you're full of anger, that makes sin easily able to jump on you. How long are you going to deal with your anger, brothers and sisters? How long are you going to deal with your impatience? How long? I mean, you're just letting the sin crouch at your door. Some of y'all, it's clinging on your leg. It's it's just crawling on up to your your waist and up on your neck. And you can tell because those are the ones that aren't happy in Jesus. Because there it is. Anger is right there. How long are you going to wait? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. So whatever you go through, everybody goes through that. Seriously? You say, well, Jesus wasn't tempted to lust like I was. They brought a naked woman in front of him. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Sometimes I think God thinks more of me than I think of myself. Because some of the stuff I go through, it's like, oh, Lord, you think I can bear this? Yeah. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. Let me say this. Cain killed his brother and he lost out. But how much did he miss out on? He missed out on a lot. I'm going to point out something that sometimes we read over and we forget. You realize here, Cain was talking to God. See, sometimes we think it's just Adam and Eve in the garden. No, no, no. He had a conversation with God right here. So he was able to talk to God. He could have got help with anything. I mean, he had that kind of close friendship with God. And now he's lost that because he killed his brother. Guys, there's so much we miss out on. If our face is downcast and we're angry and we're frustrated, we got to make sure I'm not responding like Cain did. And the reason he responded like that is because something else mastered him. What is your master? Television, social media, internet, YouTube. I guess I'm in the Bronx. BET. What is your master? 
sleep, food, just being frustrated, Facebook. What is your master? You say, those things don't master me. But when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? Well, I have to check how many people liked my Facebook post. You ever see God give you that like button? You've got to ask yourself, what is your master? Well, I'm going I'm to deal with my anger this year. You're going to deal with it or you're going to repent of it? Point number three. I'll move on. I got some more. I got some more. I got some more. I got some more. Point number three. What you do shows what you're thinking. What you do shows what you're thinking. Again, in verse 8, Genesis 4, verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother, let's go out into the field. And while we're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? You know, the biggest problem with Cain's worship was that his heart was in the wrong place. Meaning his thinking was in the wrong direction. And so he was so upset that he planned out how to kill his brother, dug a ditch, buried him, covered up the ditch, and then went on his way as if nothing happened. And this is somebody who actually had personal conversations with God. Even as a Christian, you can be in a Christian walk with God Be in sin and try to act like nobody's going to ever know. God will always know. Everything is uncovered before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And see, here's the thing. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You follow an angry kid home, knock at the door, there's going to be some angry parents asking that door. Now, don't follow no kids home. Let me make sure I get that on right. Don't be following no kids nowhere. But point being... What you say, what you talk about shows who you really are. Are you one that's full of faith or one that's full of frustration in conversation? See, guys, this is a very, very simple thing. Am I going to live by faith? Faith separates the righteous from the unrighteous. Faith separates those in the church and those in the kingdom of God. There's a difference. There's a lot of people in church... But not everybody is in the kingdom of God. The difference is the faith level. And then fourthly and finally, do I have a worldly sorrow or a godly sorrow? We got to make a decision this year. Am I going to have a worldly sorrow or a godly sorrow when it comes to my sin? Genesis 4 verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. You know, 2 Corinthians 7 talks about worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. See, we can have sorrow, but sometimes just because you get caught, you have sorrow. That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow is like, I cannot believe I hurt God. I hurt these people. I hurt. It's, it's focused elsewhere. Cain had a worldly sorrow. And look exactly at what he said in verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Notice, his sin wasn't more than he could bear. The punishment was more than he could bear. See, he had a worldly attitude about what he did. Killed his brother and still was acting worldly. I appreciate what Jill talked about. I, and I do pray, and he's a great guy, but I pray that all of us have an attitude of, you know what, I'm going to go after advice and input in my life this year. I'm going to go after it. Because I don't want to respond the way the invalid did. I want to respond in a godly, sorrowful way. 
Then it says in verse 15, chapter 4, verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. You know, hopefully you're not in the land of Nod today in church. But I want you to notice one thing. He said he went to the land of Nod, end of verse 16, east of Eden. Now, look at chapter 3, verse 24, Genesis 3, 24. After he drove the man out, talking about Adam and Eve, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming flashing and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the ways to the tree of life. When Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden, they went east. When Lot separated from Abraham, he went east to Sodom and Gomorrah. Israel and Judah, when they were taken into captivity, they went east. Going east in the Bible is symbolic many times of going away from the Lord. Cain chose to go east. Instead of being there with God, he didn't even get kicked out, but he chose to go east to the land of Nod. See, that's what a worldly sorrow does for you. You flee when no one pursues. He didn't say, I'm kicking you out and you're done. No, but he chose to go east. See, you have to make a decision. Am I going to have worldly sorrow or godly sorrow? Anybody that's visiting here today, and maybe you were a disciple at one point, and you're not sure where you stand, Hey, if you repent, we will definitely welcome you back into the membership. We're not going to hold anything against you if you're repenting and wanting to get your life right with God. Let's be clear about that. But also, if you are a disciple of Jesus, and you know you have not been living the way you should, and you know you've not let people in your life to help you stay west instead of going east, you need to make a change. Because the worst damage that can be done to the church is a so-called Christian who's not living the life. And everybody sees it, and now the standard gets lowered. Proverbs 15. Let's close out with this one. Verse 1. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How you talk to people makes a world of difference. I want to encourage us all to be a voice of faith, not of discouragement, in 2018. A voice of faith. The sacrifices, the difference between Cain and Abel was a matter of faith. Do I trust God enough to give him my best? Not just to be good or great, but to go beyond that and make it one of faith. Something that's meaningful, that it, it touches my heart to give. Even after I wrote this sermon, I upped my contribution. I'm not calling everybody to do that. But I thought, you know what? I still can do a little bit more. Because I feel like every week I'm taking my family out to eat somewhere. And you know what? We can cut back on some of that stuff. I grew up on some fried bologna. Y'all about to eat some fried bologna all year. I mean, there's ways we can cut back on stuff. I turned out all right. But tell the truth. How many of y'all ate fried bologna before? Don't be lying. Look at that. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. You sizzling on that stuff. You flip it over. Put a little mayonnaise on the bread. Anyway, ah, I want to lose it. Come on back. Come on back. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of attitude. In other words, how do I think? Do I think what's best for the church or do I think what's best for me? It's a matter of our thinking. And then thirdly, 
Will I master my sin or will I have worldly sorrow? Abel's offering was one of faith from his heart and God looked with favor on it. Brothers and sisters, this is just the beginning, but this is our theme for the year, to walk by faith and not by sight. And we're going to talk about the faithful men and women in Hebrews chapter 11. Because there were two women in the Hebrews chapter 11. This isn't all about men, but this is about us having the faith that God says, look, imitate this. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And then after that, we're not going to have a closing song. I want to encourage us to go get our kids. After you get your kids, you can use the restroom, whatever you got to do, then come back in. If you're visiting with us, I'm glad you were a part of this. We'll be here next Sunday continuing our series. But at this point, uh, we're going to take a break as soon as I'm done praying, right? Not right now. And then we'll come back in. It is, let me see what time it is here. 11.21. Look at that. We're doing good. We will be right back in here at 11.45. We're going to start. So you got 24 minutes. Let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here. I do pray that each and every one of us will walk by faith and not by sight. That you help us to be the men and women you call for us to be. Father, we love you. We pray that we can have the, the faith as Abel had. That we can have the heart that Abel had. And even if we have messed up here or there, to know not to go east, but to turn towards you, to not run from you, and that true refuge is in you. Father, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.